Hello, and welcome to the Empowerography Podcast. This is a platform created for women's voices to be heard and a place to share their stories, journeys, and successes with the world for the purpose of helping other women who might be on similar journeys. We are empowering women one episode at a time. I'm your host, Brad Walsh, so kick back, grab one of your favorite beverages, and enjoy the stories. If you're looking for jewelry that makes an impact on your self-care routine and your style, Empowerography would love to offer you a discount code to one of our exclusive partners, Quartz and Canary Jewelry and Wellness Company. Please use code EMPOWER15 to receive 15% off upon checkout at www.quartzandcanary.com. Quartz and Canary is truly the place where spirituality meets style. Hello there, Brad Walsh here, your host of the Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest is Tasha Ina Church. She is an empowerment self-defense coach. How are you doing today, Tasha? Aloha, Brad. I'm doing good. How are you? I'm very well, thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time to be here today and be on the podcast and share a bit about your story and your journey with us. I know that this has been quite the journey, shall we call it, for you and I to connect and finally get this done. So I'm really happy to finally have you here and learn more about what you're doing and be able to share what your journey has been through all of this and uh, share that with the audience. So thank you so much for taking and making the time to be here. I'm honored to have you here. Of course. Thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. So let's jump right in. Tasha, you live in Maui, Hawaii, and are currently the only instructor in empowerment self-defense, which is a 40-year evidence-based curriculum designed by women for women. How long have you been teaching women this self-defense method? So this particular self-defense method I um, picked up through ESD Global in 2019, but I've been teaching empowerment self-defense since 2012 when I developed a curriculum for middle school and high school girls focused on self-esteem, body image, and self-defense training. My total experience is actually 20 years. So I started out in a dojo um, working and teaching Aikido and training in seven different styles of Japanese martial arts. Wow. And so at what age did you start training and learning the different modalities of self-defense? So actually it goes back a little bit further. My dad and my mom, they both trained in Gojuru. And so we used to do some slap boxing and different stuff like that at my home. I also took a training from Jeff Alexander, who taught Rocky Balboa for the movies, Sylvester wow. Stallone. Mm-hmm. Um, so I did that when I was younger, but I started my, my training when I was 18. Okay. Can you explain for those who don't know or aren't aware of this method, what it is and what it's all about? So yes, for empowerment self-defense, as you said, it's a 40-year evidence-based, research-based curriculum. It's designed by women for women and other vulnerable communities. What I really love about it is that most martial arts styles, they focus on physical techniques. You know, here's a regiment, here's the move this is somebody's grabbing you here, you do this. They're not talking to you about de-escalation tactics, boundary setting, how your body's feeling. So social and emotional awareness, also environmental awareness. So making sure that you are aware of your surroundings. And then, you know, a lot of people, when it comes to fight, flight, or freeze, most of the time they freeze because they don't feel like they have enough options. So 
with the empowerment self-defense methods, uh, we're actually teaching them that they have a whole bunch of different options and also what to depend on. Because a lot of times we think of outside sources. We think, oh, I need to buy myself some mace or, oh, I need to carry a gun or I need to have you know, a knife with me. And studies have shown basically, you know, what you need are all right here. You have your head, your heart, your hands, and those can be your three greatest weapons if you use them correctly. Now, as you mentioned just briefly there a second ago about training with the gentleman who trained Sylvester Stallone, you've also trained with some other pretty big names in the industry when it comes to self-defense. Can you tell us a bit about these people and what it was like for you to train with these people? Of course, yes. So I was so lucky. I actually studied with Arlene Lemus. She's the first ever Olympic gold medalist in Taekwondo. Okay. And she's just a powerhouse. <laughs> she's amazing. She has the best attitude. She's the most humble person I know. She's not hyping up like I was an Olympic gold medalist. Right. Like that's not the first thing she says in the first five minutes that you meet her. You know, she didn't even bring it up when she was training us. So it was just such an honor to to meet her and really get her methodology and understanding. And then uh, my other trainer for ESD was someone called Liz Fitzgerald. Okay. And she actually has this assert defense. She teaches both the military and police force in the US. She's mm-hmm. one of the only trainers who actually teaches the police and the military. And she actually does trainings on protester safety, which I think is so important. So she does a lot when it comes to police reform and working with police officers to have a better awareness on how to work with uh, people, uh, you know, protesters, because there's so many issues when it comes to race and equity within the United States. Right. And so what are some of the other modalities or areas of self-defense that you're trained in? Can you tell us about a few of those? Of course. Yeah. So I actually studied seven styles of Japanese martial arts. So my main style was Aikido. I cross-trained in ninjutsu, yaido, shotokan, jujitsu, bojutsu, and kabuto. Wow. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And so for kabuto, you you have to be an expert in five different uh, weapons. And so I really loved working with knives, the bow, the joe. So the bow is a six-foot staff. Uh The the Joe is a four foot staff and the four foot staff is more of like circular motion. The bow is more linear. Okay. And then there's the Kubaton, which is actually a six inch staff. And you can use that for pressure points. You'll see a lot of them on keychains for women mm, or, okay. or just people in general, they'll walk around holding onto a Kubaton. You can just be like, ah, <laughs> <laughs> get somebody right in the throat. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so I, I really loved training in in all of these different styles, I also studied Tai Chi and I've done that with my dad and uh-huh. he, uh, he continues to study and Tai Chi Quan is actually a hard style for Tai Chi. So those are just some different ones that are out there that I've really enjoyed. And right now I am currently studying Aikido with Mary and Ron Eastland. They're really amazing. And I really enjoy just the learning process because each of them have been training for over 35 wow. years. Wow. 
Yeah, so together 70 years of experience. And I feel like the young in there, which makes me feel so good because (laughs) everybody in the class is in like their 60s and, and, you know, late 50s and stuff. And I'm like, yay. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. Yeah, that's great. Tasha, why did you decide to focus your energy and business on helping to empower women in this particular form of self-defense? And did this journey begin with your own personal struggles? I think if you asked any self-defense instructor, mm-hmm. <laughs> they're going to have some sort of personal story as to why they do the work that they okay. do. I know that for myself, I actually had a stalker. So when I was 15 years old, I met one of my brother's friends in college. I was doing running start and he totally took me under his wing. He was like, you know, just you're my little sis, I'm going to take care of you. And all of the different things that he was doing, like, oh, you know, come on over, I have food, you should play video games. If you need to sleep in between classes, you totally should. And as a, you know, as a 17 year old, 16 year old, all of that sounds great. Yeah. (laughs) Until it's not. So Yeah, I experienced stalking for, I don't know how long, but up to two years. And I realized that this was not a safe scenario for me. I actually woke up one day in in between classes and he was on top of me and I had to actually talk him off. And so, yeah, that that was a really scary experience. And I remember you know, going and, and sharing uh, with somebody, you know, this is happening. Oh my God, what do I do? And they didn't believe me. And so I just thought, Oh God, what, what do I do now? And I realized that I had to do this for myself. And so I called him up and I set all of these boundaries. Like you're not allowed to talk to me. Don't look at me, see me in the halls, walk the other way, you know, and if you cross any of those boundaries, I'm going to take away, you know, your family. I'm going to tell my brother, I'm going to tell my family, you're you're not going to have them anymore. Do you understand? And he cursed me out. (laughs) I've never heard so much profanity. I had to look up what, you know, the C C word meant. I was like, what is that? I don't even know. And, uh, you know, and after he was done, I, I wanted to crumple into a ball, but I just thought, no, Okay. And so I took a deep breath and I said, I don't think you heard me. (laughs) And I repeated myself and I said, do you, do you understand? And he said, yeah. And so that was the beginning. After that, I joined a martial arts school right away Uh and thought, this is where I'm going to learn how to become safe and take Uh care of myself. And this is going to give me all the tools that I need. You know, I was, I was a bit hesitant because it was predominantly all men, right? (laughs) but, but I decided to go for it. And I changed there for close to eight years. Wow. Did you end up telling your brother about the incident? I did. He was mortified. It was really hard. Yeah. Uh, There was an incident actually. So I didn't talk to him until later. My, my sister-in-law had an incident with the same person. Oh man. And she told me, and I told her my experience, Mm. she shared with my brother. And, and that was just this, you know, like I I could tell from him as a man, as a young man, it's just, oh my God, I I let her down. Uh Somehow I have failed her. And so it was a really difficult process to 
get back into an accord of just communicating again. Uh-huh. Uh, but we love each other so much. And uh, he's just a really great guy. I, I love my brother dearly. And so it was really great when we were finally able to talk about it. Did you have the opportunity to confront this guy ever again? After that, he tried talking to me one more time uh-huh. <laughs> in person. And I said, I think you need to remember what I said to you on the phone. Mm-hmm. How then would you say these, this particular experience has helped shape the Tasha you are today, do you think? I became resilient. Mm-hmm. I had to navigate a whole bunch of scenarios after that, including at my martial arts school. And it was more of the same type of thing, like bullying and, and things like that. I know you and I have spoken about some of this stuff off yeah. the, the interview, but you also did deal with some more situations that came up for you. Yeah, I, uh, I did have to deal with some incidences of inappropriate behavior at the school. I was violated at my, my martial arts school. Wow. Yeah. And so it was years of dealing with lots of microaggressions, sexual harassment, and then different events that actually happened. And you just sort of shut down. So I know Uh a lot of women who have actually gone to martial arts schools, had these experiences, been coerced by instructors and didn't Uh necessarily feel safe. And so I knew for myself, I really wanted to create an environment for women where they would feel safe to come learn, to share if they needed to, mm-hmm. and to have that autonomy, you mm-hmm. know, safe mm-hmm. in the skin and feel like their body's their own. There, yeah. there were a whole bunch of different things that, you know, happened at that school that for me, it was a huge violation. And I know that for the young girl who I think of, who experienced all of those things, I just want to give her a hug because Mm -hmm. it was really intense. But I also know that those experiences, as horrible as they they were, I can now teach and somebody can come to me and share their story of a similar experience and say, I understand. So through your experiences and your training and whatnot, Have you found through the stories of the women you've talked to that this is quite a common thing that happens in self-defense teachings for women? Like, do they deal with this on a fairly regular basis? Yes, actually. Yeah. There is a school that Mm -hmm. I know of that actually has had uh, several women who have gone through it. And it's, it's really interesting to me because there hasn't been the accountability. So I, I think that it's something that people just sort of slide under the rug. They don't necessarily talk about it when something comes up in the news or uh, something comes up, you know, locally, Uh it's just sort of sloughed under the rug and the other instructors, I would hope that other male instructors would call someone out when behavior, because it is something that is just very disheartening, very disappointing. And I don't think that it represents the embodiment of what, you know, what martial arts is about. It's a discipline. It's something beautiful. I really loved my training. Uh, mm-hmm. You know, I love my training so much. I'm, I'm back in training. Yeah. I really in, enjoy it. But I also am very cautious about where I train, mm-hmm. who I train with, how many years of experience 
if I walk into a dojo and it's predominantly all men, I'm most likely going to walk back out. Right. Well, I mean, women go to these places to feel safe and to learn how to protect themselves. So they're walking into these places and then they end up in the situations that they are trying to protect themselves from in the place where they're supposed to feel most safe. Yes. Yeah. So it's an interesting situation to be in where you, you know, you're, you're lulled into the confidence of these people. They Mm -hmm. have all of these skills and you really admire those skills. For me, you know, my tipping point was not just the stuff that had happened to me. It it was actually my grandmother had passed away. Okay. And I asked my head instructor for a few weeks off of teaching. Mm -hmm. And he went out and did a speech to the students to say that his dad had died. And when his dad died, he spent five minutes off to the side and then he was fine. (laughs) And then he talked about quitters and basically the problem with people quitting because they're not dedicated enough. this, This whole elaborate speech, I didn't come back after that. I realized, you know, my family is far more important. Mm -hmm. And I needed to be there for them. I needed to grieve for myself for sure. And, uh, and then also on top of that, you, you add the different experiences that I lived through while Mm -hmm. I was there. Mm -hmm. And I just thought, you know, I'm tired of being called the B word every single week and them laughing because they think it's funny. Yeah. I don't think anybody should have to deal with that. Absolutely not. That's no. in, that's crazy. Crazy. Yeah. So you are also the co-founder of Ladies First. Can you share with us what Ladies First is all about and how long ago you started that? Yeah. So that was something that I started in 2012 and it was a curriculum that I developed. I got together with another woman and we put together a co-curriculum focused on self-esteem, body image, and self-defense training. And we actually went into schools. So there was a middle school that we started out with, and it was really exciting because the girls were just great. Mm. And the principal really wanted us to come in because bullying was too high. Also teen pregnancy was too high, which at a middle school is very scary. Yes. So yeah. So for me, I really just wanted to in, you know, have open dialogue, allow them to share all of the thoughts that they had, teach them self-defense. I thought that that was very important and focus on building their self-esteem, building their confidence. And so we went from one school to three schools, then to four, and then we were asked to go district wide and I chose to move to Maui. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Wow. So was body positivity or body acceptance and self-love and all of that stuff just automatic, automatically for you when you're developing the curriculum part of the, like, this is a no, no negotiation here. This is going to become part of the curriculum because it's so important tied in with self-defense. Yes. So I actually studied fashion design. Okay. Yeah. And I went to the art Institute, the Seattle art Institute Mm -hmm. for design. And it, was an eye-opening experience of just how women's bodies are put on display, how they're treated and picked apart. I just remember uh, working at Nordstrom, which I don't know if you know. Yes. Mm -hmm. 
There yeah. you go. Yeah. So with Nordstrom, when I was working there and I did wardrobe specialist work, I would work with all these different women. I always ask them, you know, what they love about themselves. And I had so many different answers, but they would always come up with something that they didn't like. Right. Oh, I don't like my nose. Oh, I'm too tall. Oh, I'm too thin. I'm too heavy. I'm too, mm-hmm. it was just all this stuff. And I, I thought, God, somebody has to like themselves. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you know, and it was sad for me to experience this where I, I would go through and work with all of these different women. I worked with models and, and everything, and nobody really liked the way that they looked. And I, I thought, you know, if I loved the way that I looked, mm-hmm. if I was confident in who I am, mm-hmm. And I was able to set very clear boundaries with people. Would the violations happen? Would would I have to deal with these adverse scenarios? And to me, a lot of the time I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have had to, or or there's certain situations that I realize, you know, I could have said this, I could have said that. But one thing that I always talk to my students about which I think is so important for survivors because we do, we get into this, oh, I, I should have said this. Oh, I, if I had only done this one thing, this might not have happened. Right. Your body is doing everything it can to survive. It is equipped. <laughs> it is doing all it can to, you know, to look for exits, be very aware. Your intuition knows so much more than your conscious mind will ever know. And I think that it is really important for you to understand that in any situation that you've lived through, you've lived through it. You got through it. Your body did all it could to survive. You did everything you could to survive. And so looking at someone and saying, gosh, why didn't you do this? Why didn't you do that? There's a lot of victim shaming out there and you are your own worst critic. So understanding and giving yourself a lot of grace, I think, is so important when it comes to not only the work that I do, but just, you know, living life in general as a woman. I think mm-hmm. that it's very important for women to understand that they're amazing. <laughs> yeah. Every, yeah. Everything starts with self, the foundation of self. That's where everything starts from and then just emanates out from there. Absolutely. What inspires you or lights you up the most about the work that you do? So I think about my students' faces at the end of class, Uh and it's magic. (laughs) They look like they're about ready to tear down a building. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. (laughs) You know, I see them break a board, and it's awe-inspiring. It's amazing, because they didn't think that they could do it. And I I tell them at the beginning of their training, you're going to break a board on your last day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I worked with these two girls going off to college this summer. And it was just so cool because the first week they were telling me that they had a, a problem with yelling. They were okay. like, I don't think that I can yell. It's <clears throat> a lot. It's awkward. It makes mm-hmm. other people feel awkward. It's loud. And I said, yeah. And if you're in a situation where you need to be loud. Mm-hmm. Exactly. <laughs> You gotta, you gotta harness that. And so it was so great. Oh, it was so great to see them on their last day when they just 
belted it out. They broke mm-hmm. the boards. It was just the coolest thing. And it gives me hope every time I see that to see these girls go out there and really have that confidence because that's something that's instilled in them, regardless of if they, you know, remember every single move that I teach them or not. Mm-hmm they still have that confidence and that knowing that they were able to do this. Yeah. That's got to feel incredible for you to see that, actually see that result in your students when they reach that point. Yeah. No, I love it. To date, what would you say is your biggest high or your greatest win? I'm just excited to make an impact. It as big of an impact as I can. I know that there's so many things ahead I'm working on uh, co-authoring a book with other self-defense instructors around the world right now. Awesome. That's really cool. But yeah, I mean, as far as big accomplishments, I feel like there's, you know, there's these checklists that a lot of people have mm-hmm. and I've done a lot of them. I've published a book. I've spoken at an international conference, you know, I've spoken at colleges and worked with high school kids and created curriculum and programs. I teach on the news (laughs) (laughs) every week. It's pretty cool. There's a local news station and I teach one self-defense move per week. That's Uh, awesome. It's just, it's everything that I never could have imagined that I always wanted. Well, that's amazing to be able to say that and to be able to do all these things. And I think having impact on people is probably the biggest one for me. That would be, that's just the ultimate. There's nothing better than that for yeah, sure. Absolutely. What do you think your unique skill set or superpower is that's helped you become successful? I am resilient. <laughs> I am constantly looking at solutions when everyone else is like, nope, there's nothing. <laughs> <laughs> We are going to (laughs) fail. I remember when I was going for grants and I remember talking to the person who I did my ladies first business with. And just as an FYI, I mean, my current business is Ellie live action. So different one, but ladies first, when I was talking to her, I was telling her, we've got this deadline. It's two weeks. And she was, she didn't want to do it. She didn't want to do the grant. She's like, you can work on it. I'm going to work on other stuff. And I realized that for me, I was just like, no, we could do this. And I got together with one of the people on campus at the school and I worked with her. And at the end, you know, my, my business partner got on board and we got a two-year grant from the city wow. to teach in the schools. But that was huge. Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, and so I, I think of these things that, nobody could possibly think were possible. And Hmm. I've done it. I I created an online course. I've done two. There you go. Uh, I did one in 2018. Uh And and it was interesting because when I did it, everybody's like, nobody's going to get an online course. (laughs) (laughs) Well, who has the last laugh now? (laughs) I know, right? And then when the pandemic hit, I felt very shell-shocked. I Mm. felt like, oh my God, because the numbers were coming in for domestic violence. It was so high. And I was literally like, if somebody needs this course, let me know. I'll give it away. I gave away over 46 courses in the pandemic. Amazing. I know. And then I thought, you know what? This is outdated. I haven't, Mm -hmm. you know, I'm doing empowerment self-defense 
yes, I have all this other stuff, which is great, but I need to do something different. And so I was out hiking and uh-huh. there's this place called 13 Crossings and there's all these waterfalls and everything. And I'm a bit of a daredevil. And so I would <laughs> climb up <laughs> to the next waterfall and I climb up higher to the next waterfall after that. And so on my way back down, I had left my fanny pack open because I'm cool like that. <laughs> I have a fanny pack. Uh, and so I left my fanny pack open and my phone fell out and oh. fell down and slid down and went right into the water. And I just about died emotionally. <laughs> I was like, my life is on there. Isn't that sad? That this it is. Out now? <laughs> yeah, it is. It's, it is. But it's so true. And I, I looked at my partner, he and I have been together for eight and a half, well, eight years and mm-hmm. three months now. He's amazing. But I looked at him and I was like, get it. <laughs> <laughs> and he dove a million times over. I felt so bad. And my, my friend who was with me, she looks over at this big giant man and she was like, God, it would be nice if somebody would help. <laughs> and so it was like this instant light came on, like the superhero moment for this guy. <laughs> he was like, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> he goes, where is it, ma'am? And I just pointed out like right over there. He got on the first one wow. and he, he like came out of the water like this. Like, hey, how's it going? <laughs> like, oh my God, my phone. And um, I was just looking at him and I was like, wow, <laughs> you're like that the perfect guy to beat up. (laughs) (laughs) And so, you know, it's like not, you can't walk up to somebody and be like, Hey, (laughs) exactly. Uh, You want to be in my self-defense videos where I (laughs) multiple times throughout one day. (laughs) But yeah, so my friend had gotten his number and I, I ended up messaging him and I was like, Hey, so I'm doing something here. I'm trying to help my community. It's something really big. And his family member had had an incident and mm-hmm. wanted me to support her. And so okay. it was a great opportunity for me to do this support and exchange. Mm-hmm. And he turned out to be Tony Robbins' old bodyguard. Wow. <laughs> I know. So it was just so cool that I got to have Tony Robbins' old bodyguard as the attacker in my videos. That is awesome. For for my online course, which it's amazing. This, I could not believe that I was able to produce this thing. I ended up getting an adaptability fund grant, Mm -hmm. which it's amazing that they had these, but it basically was allowing you to transition or shift to online stuff if you were doing in person during the pandemic. Okay. And so I was able to hire a marketing specialist, an assistant. I was able to hire a videographer. I was able to, you know, get all of these amazing shots that I never could have got on my own. And I really, I was just so impressed with the fact that I was able to create this curriculum for people that they could actually learn in their home. That's amazing. Wanted to. And it was so cool because it I spoke to an influencer who does online courses for a living. Uh And she actually came in as a student and she had a situation that she didn't get out of 20 years ago. And I was able to walk her through everything. And she was like, You need this online. Mm. And so she told me how 
to adapt my curriculum so that it was the most effective for people to actually digest online. And basically what I did was I would demo a move Mm -hmm. on the move. And then I actually taught my assistant on camera. So she got to try out the move. So a lot of the questions that would come up for a person in person when I'm teaching was something that would come up with her on camera. Right. And so I was able to address those. And then we had like an at-home section of what to do at home when, you know, when yeah. you don't have a big giant demo man, <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. uh, like he, he was just, he was the greatest. Yeah. His name is Kyle Goodman. He's a really awesome man. Yeah. So I, I just felt so, so blessed to have just all of these people coming together because it just meant so much to me that they would care so much about these issues when it comes to domestic violence, when it comes to violence in general, because Mm -hmm. you imagine with the pandemic, everybody's adrenaline is going up. I don't know if you experienced it. I know Mm -hmm. I experienced it where there's just this extra angst, this extra frustration of, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? How am I going to pivot? What am I going to do for a job? Mm -hmm. How am I going to provide for my family? And then you suddenly, for those people who went on unemployment, you're suddenly around these people who you normally only see maybe three hours a day, you're seeing them all day. And so some of the little stuff, I'm sure that normally you're like, oh, not that big of a deal is suddenly like, whoa. I didn't realize that this was an issue, but now it's an issue. And so you see all these people who had broken up over the pandemic and not to say that it didn't switch over because there were a lot of people who were like, wow, this was, you know, like in my situation, I was just like, whoa, (laughs) you're even greater than I am. (laughs) (laughs) Congratulations for being you, you know, for supporting me. Yeah. So you know, it went both ways, but I think that just with the different experiences that people had, it was such a hard go of it for everyone, yeah. regardless of what your political views are, regardless of where or where you are at. We were all affected by this pandemic. And so it was really great to be able to produce something and put it out there and say, here you go. This is, you know, this is for you. And I've just had such wonderful feedback from it. I had a woman who is a therapist who works with domestic violence survivors, and she actually did probably one of the most amazing reviews. Awesome. That's great. (laughs) I've ever seen. So yeah. So I mean, like, I guess that would be also one of those really cool accomplishments. For sure. How do you define success? What does that word mean to you, Tasha? I think of John Lennon, where he says, I want to be happy. What do you Mm -hmm. want to be when you grow up? I want to be happy. I honestly believe that. I think that it's so important for you to just honor yourself, whatever that looks like. Success comes as success goes. Mm -hmm. And I think that it is really important for you to just focus on living your best life, whatever that looks like. That might be ditching everything and going backpacking. Yeah. Or it could be, you know, leading an international movement. It, mm-hmm. it, for me, it's just, it's all about impact and supporting people and changing lives in positive ways, even if it's just one. Yeah. Awesome. What would you say is one of the best pieces of advice you've ever received? So I remember when things were really hard mm-hmm. and I was having a really hard time 
my mom just told me to keep going. Uh-huh. She's like you, you've got this, just keep going, keep moving forward. And also that for her, she'd been in so many different situations where she didn't feel prepared. Uh-huh. She didn't feel like she was, you know, fully qualified for a position or didn't feel like she was, you know, fully ready to take on this hurdle or that hurdle. And she did it and she did it masterfully. And I think that it is really important for people to understand that you don't have to have all the answers. You just have to try. Yeah, exactly. What would you say is one of your biggest life lessons or teachable moments, failures, and what did you learn from it? Oh, (laughs) (laughs) I can't fix everything. I, um, you know, I think that so many times we, we want these certain things for our lives, you know, whether that's a certain person or a certain job. And you can do everything you possibly can, and it still might not turn out right. But that doesn't mean that you don't try. That doesn't mean that you, you don't give it your all. And I don't view any failure as a true failure. I see it as a lesson, an opportunity for growth. And so I think that that's something that I always take with me is just this understanding that you are going to stumble, you are going to fall, but you can also rise. As long as you get up and try it again, that's the key, right? Yeah, absolutely. Tasha, what does the word empowerment mean to you? When I think of empowerment, I think of not only survival, I think of, you know, thriving. Uh It means that your voice, understanding that your voice has power and really owning that. So I know that for myself with my empowerment journey, it's it's not like I'm empowered. Uh (laughs) Congratulations, you've won. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) You have arrived. I think that everybody's searching for that and, and, and like, woohoo, we did it. And you're going to have all of these great moments in your life and they are going to be empowering. They might be scary. They might be terrifying. They might be really rewarding and really awesome. But when it comes to empowerment, it looks different for everybody. It's not going to be one cookie cutter thing. It's yeah going to be a wide array, you know, like a rainbow, so many different colors. And yeah, empowerment for me is thriving wherever you live, however you live with whoever you live with. So ending. Yeah. Okay. We're going to jump into a little rapid fire section here. So the next grouping of questions just be two, three, four word answers. All right. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) How would you describe yourself in one word? Awesome. What was your dream job as a child? Be an author. You've done that. You've you've authored a book. I did. Yeah. So congratulations. Thank you. Money or fame? Happiness. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Early bird or night owl? Both. (laughs) (laughs) Aside from necessities, what's one thing you could not go without? Love. What's your favorite stress-reducing activity? Not appropriate. (laughs) All right. Let the imagination do what it will. What's one thing you want, but cannot buy with money? Time with the people I love. If you could teach the world one thing, what would it be? Never give up. If you came with a warning label, what would yours say? I love this one. I'm not fragile like a flower. I'm fragile like a bomb. 
Love that. That's awesome. If you could change one thing about the world, what would you change? I would say have people be more worldly. That's a good one. That concludes our rapid fire section. Now back to our regularly scheduled program. What is one of your favorite quotes? No matter how straight the gate, how charged with punishment the scroll, I am the master of my fate. I am the captain of my soul. If you could sit down and have a one hour conversation with anyone in the world, alive or dead, who would it be and why? Doris Peters. And why? was a native healer who was like a grandmother to me and she passed away. Okay. Can you tell me about a moment when a person's kindness made a difference in your life? Yes. I remember when I was a teenager and I realized my first boyfriend and I were not going to work out and I was crying on the floor and one of his friends walked up and he looked at me and he said, you're amazing. Just go out and dance. Love it. That's awesome. If you could set up a billboard anywhere, where would you put it? And what would it say? Oof, that's a great one. DC, it would say we are free and have women on the the billboard. Beautiful. What's your personal motto? (laughs) Never give up. Never (laughs) surrender. Love it. a great one if you could step into my shoes what would you have asked yourself that i didn't ask you well most people will ask me about what was the turning point that brought me to wanting to do empowerment self-defense okay yeah so that was for me something that helped with my healing journey and and something that also helped with me leading me to empowerment self-defense was i actually had my last stalker (laughs) jeez tasha (laughs) I know. I talked to people. I, I do have a friend who had five stalkers. I was like, wow, oh, man. that's amazing. I've only had three. <laughs> only. That's terrible. <laughs> it is terrible. But that changed my life. It was a week before my book launch. And I thought I was going to be an author for the rest of my life. And I had someone come into my home and pretend to be the maintenance man. And I had to deal with an attempted sexual assault, which I got out of. Wow. Yeah. And I got out of it using Mm -hmm. situational awareness and analyzing the room and using my words and my voice. And I realized that me teaching self-defense needed to be more than just physical moves. And yes, I had this, you know, I had this program which talked about body image and self-esteem and all these other things, but it it needed more. And so really amazing, you know, to have that experience so many years ago and then suddenly finding empowerment self-defense, which was like, whoa, you took everything that was in this brain (laughs) (laughs) and you actually wrote it out and you have it there. And, and it was really amazing to me to find that and be able to go to New York and train. And it was a life-changing experience to be around 50 women from all over the world wanting to, to change the world. That was their goal. So amazing, huge impact, huge impact. Yeah. So it was great. Speaking of impact, who in your life has had the biggest impact on you and why? My mom, she just never stops. She's the greatest. She was a teacher. She, you know, both my parents, I I love my parents. I've talked to them every day during the pandemic. You know, I FaceTimed them and showed them sunsets every day. 
beautiful pandemic. But yeah, like my mom, she just, she's amazing. I think that that's something that's really key and important is surrounding yourself with amazing people. I just got lucky because I was born into it. Yeah to it by this this woman who you know spent her whole life as a teacher got recognized nationally for her work as a teacher and and now is doing community activist work that's just like she's in the paper she's doing community forums with the mayor and all these other people and I I'm like, who are you? <laughs> and she, you know, and she went around with Doris Peters and she went all over the United States and Canada doing native healing work. So she had all of these, you know, she's, she's had all of these outstanding things that she's done in her life that are just extraordinary. And it is inspiring. Beautiful. Tasha, if you could go back and give your younger self one piece of advice, what would that piece of advice be? Just be you. Forget about all of the worries and the people pleasing because that's going to get old and eventually those people will go away and all that's left is you in the end. So why not have a lifelong romance with yourself? Beautifully said. I love it. And lastly, Tasha, if you were to deliver your last 30 second speech to the world, what would that last 30 seconds sound like? What would you say? Oh, gosh. (laughs) I think it's important for people to remember that their voice has power, that they are powerful beings and that they deserve more than just survival. They deserve to live in a world where they're thriving and to always remember to never give up, to keep sight of your dreams and believe that they're possible. Beautifully said. Thank you so much, Tasha, for being here today and being a guest and sharing your personal story and journey and your struggles and all that you've accomplished. You are a true inspiration. And I appreciate you from the bottom of my heart. I think the work you're doing is absolutely incredible. You should be very proud of how far you've come and what you've accomplished and the impact you've had. It's it's absolutely inspiring. So thank you so much for taking the time to be here and share today. I appreciate you. Thank you. I appreciate you too. This is great. Once again, my name is Brad Walsh, host of your Empowerography podcast. Today, my guest has been Tasha Ina Church. She is an empowerment self-defense coach based in Maui, Hawaii. Thanks so much, Tasha. I hope you have an amazing rest of the day. Thank you, Brad. You too. Thank you very much for listening to this podcast. If you haven't yet, please be sure to subscribe, rate, review, and share with all your friends. You can find me at visuphoria.ca, follow me on Instagram at Empowerography Podcast, and on Facebook at Empowerography. Please join me next time for another inspirational story from yet another amazing woman.